Good morning, Landmark. Uh, I want to announce to you that we are just a little over 100 hours from the end of 2020. Well, I, I hope that you're clapping for that. We probably all would like to clap for that. It has been quite a year, and here I am now. Uh, I finally caught the COVID and speaking to you from home. So um, a fitting in to a, a crazy, crazy year. I want to bring you back, though, to the way we began this year on January the 5th, 2020, if you can remember that. Seems like a long time ago. We started a message series then called 2020 Vision. And obviously, we thought that was a catchy phrase. But more than being a catchy phrase, we hoped that it was a phrase that would bring clarity, that we could truly have 2020 vision, that we could see what was important and what was not important. Little did we know how God would answer those prayers. Certainly through this year, we have figured out a lot of things we thought were really important that we can live without. And a lot of things that maybe we weren't putting the importance we should have been putting on, we now know are really important, like community, touch, friendship, church, and being able to meet together. There's so many things that have been revealed to us by God about what really matters. So we began this year with this message series, 2020 Vision, God's Mission First Church. We said a lot of things in that series, and I want to end with that same idea. And here's what strikes me. Jesus began and ended his ministry the same way. And, and what happens on these bookends of his ministry are two cleansings of the temple. I don't know if you've ever recognized that. But in John chapter 2, when Jesus begins his ministry, the first thing he does there is he cleanses and, and runs all the money changers out of the temple. And then in Mark 11, when he's concluding his ministry, he does the same thing. Now, both times, it's during the time of Passover. And Jesus understood a lot about this. Every Passover... Jesus grew up in his home. They would cleanse the home before Passover. They would go with the, everything they had to search every corner, every crevice, every everything to make sure that it was clean. But it was not from dirt. It was actually from yeast. And you say, what, what's the purpose of cleansing the yeast? The purpose was the yeast was a reminder of how hurriedly they had to leave Egypt on the exodus of the Passover, that they did not have time even for the bread to rise, for the dough to rise. And so the yeast had to be removed from the recipe. So every Passover, they clean the house of the yeast. The last moment, the father, Joseph, in this case, I would imagine, would light a candle and they would finish sweeping the house clean. And so every house was immaculate for Passover, except Jesus knew of one. And that was God's house. You see, since Jesus was 12 years old, he had gone to the temple every year. And it had gotten dirtier and dirtier. What was the problem going on in the temple to cause Jesus to cause such an uproar? Well, first of all, it was just commercialism. They were selling sacrifices for exorbitant prices. The sons of the high priest were ripping everybody off. And they were building all these selling booths in the outer court of the temple. You say, what's the significance of that? It was the outer court that God had purposely designed for the Gentiles. 
You see, even in the design of the temple, God wanted people to know that all nations would one day be included and that Israel was a light even to the Gentiles. But because of all the selling and all the carrying on and all the marketplace, the Gentiles had no place to go and connect with God. So listen to how Jesus began this ministry. John chapter 2. Verse 12, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found the people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords, drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remember what had been written. Zeal for your house will consume me. Can you imagine the racket of the whip, the marble, the tables, the coins, the animals going? Jesus called quite a scene. And he doesn't just do it once. At the end of his ministry, in Mark 11, he comes back to this same place. He does the same thing. It appears that in three and a half years of Jesus' ministry, things had not not gotten better in the house of God. Now listen to it. Now Mark chapter 11. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out all those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables, the money changers, and the bitches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And he taught them and he said, is it not written? My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of robbers. Jesus was fired up. Zeal consumed him. Jesus was angry. Now, here's what I want to talk about really quickly this morning. What's the point? I mean, why does Jesus do this twice? Why does he start and finish with this? You know, why would Jesus be so angry? I mean, honestly, if we keep reading from from the, the scripture there, what Jesus does in the temple is a big part of what leads him to his death. So what's the point? I think this is so important for us to see in this last Sunday of 2020. The point is, let's use an acrostic with the word point. If you'll bear with me today. People encountering God in his house. The problem here is that the Gentiles had no place to connect with God. The Jewish people were more concerned with making a profit than giving people a place to pray. The very place where people were to connect with God was a place of disconnection. God wanted his house to be a house of prayer. And then the O for what's the point is our father's business was Jesus' business. Jesus is angry because they had turned his father's house into a joke. You can remember the time when Jesus was 12 and he went up to the temple with his parents and in the big crowd, he got lost and they're going home and recognize he's not there. And they come back and they find this 12 year old Jesus having great discussions with the Jewish religious leaders. And yet they're mad at him. Joseph and Mary are because he had, they lost him. What, what are you doing? And Jesus said to his parents, 
you must know that I must be about my father's business. Jesus was about the business of God, which we know from the writing of the Apostle Paul, God's heart is for all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And Jesus' life would lead to the sacrificial death where the temple would be moved and changed, where Jesus' death, the curtain of the temple, would be ripped in two from the top to the bottom, and there would be full access for everybody, every, every moment of every day, into the Holy of Holies, not just one man once a year. So Jesus knew why he was here. Jesus had his mission clear, his mission with his father's business. Now, the I is the importance of confronting religion that's gone wrong. How sad for Jesus to come into the holy place of God and it to be a joke. It was more than sad to Jesus. He, he was angry. You know, sometimes we have this milk toast view of Jesus. Oh, not in these two spots. Jesus is mad. Because religion has gone bad. You know, it's one thing when government goes bad. It's another thing when business goes bad. It's a much worse thing when religion goes bad. Because that um, reflects negatively on God. How many people are turned off to God today because they've seen religion gone bad? How many people are not in church today or not even viewing online today because they've been so turned off by churches that were corrupt or power hungry. And it's so dangerous because it turns people off to God. And, and Jesus knew people were getting turned off to God and he's angry. You see, the problem with religion going bad is it's deceptive. It has the outer trappings. I mean, the temple had all the incredible trappings of being the temple of God. And yet inside it was corrupt as anywhere on earth. And today, when, when we're not who God's called us to be, it's so deceptive, not just to the people around us, it's deceptive to us. We think because we're doing religious things and we're worshiping and taking the Lord's Supper and saying prayers and preaching sermons, that everything's okay because we're going through the things we've been going through our whole life and it just feels right. And I love that. But I, but I hate that and we must hate that like Jesus when it's a cover-up for us not really doing the will of God. So that brings me to the end. A point is there's no compromise. There's no mission drift. And this is what I love here. This is what I want you to get so badly today. Is that in three and a half years, Jesus' mission remains the same. After all the persecution and all the push, he won't compromise. You see, if Jesus would have been willing to give in, he might have had a booth there making money. If Jesus had been a team player with the religious authorities, he might have a seat on the Sanhedrin. If Jesus had worked the system, he might not have died. But Jesus knew he must be about his father's business. He stayed true to his mission the whole way. He began his ministry, he ends his ministry with exclamation points saying, this is what the temple of God is all about. It's what the people of God are all about. Because you see, in the long run, 
Jesus will move the temple from this building to our hearts. And we become the temple of God. And we together become the temple of God. A place where people encounter God. A place that doesn't run people away, but brings them into the presence of God. We need to watch Jesus because we are tempted for mission drift. We are. Every organization is. I mean, you know, the most famous example of mission drift is, is Harvard University, founded in 1636. Here was their founding mission to train preachers of high character. Well, today, if you went to Harvard, you probably never want to be a preacher because the kind of things are taught there. A more recent example would be Volkswagen. VW has a real clear mission statement to offer attractive, safe, and environmentally sound vehicles which compete in an increasingly difficult market and yet set the standards. They wanted to produce great vehicles for the world. And yet by 2015, we see them get money hungry themselves and they get caught in the emission scandal and Volkswagen is fined millions and millions of dollars for cheating on the emissions test. They lost their way. In fact, they end up coming up with an advertisement just a couple of years ago trying to win people back. And here's what they put it almost in religious terms. In darkness, we found the light. We lost ourselves for a while, but we're coming back to who we are. We as a church must not allow mission drift to come in. That's why the elders had asked me to preach that message series starting in January 5th, 2020, excuse me. That's why they all, you can remember, stood up on that stage that day and said, we are committing ourselves to leading this church in the mission. And the passage we preached on that day was Jesus giving that commission before he left this earth. Remember what he said in Matthew chapter 28? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And now he says to us, his disciples, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's the passage we started this year with. What was the vision of Jesus for the mission of his church? It was to make disciples. We, we put it here at Landmark to call people into a growing relationship with Jesus. But what's that saying? Our mission is not just to have a nice church or a beautiful building. It's to... Um, call people closer to Christ. It's for people to encounter Christ. It's for people to come, you and I, and our friends, our relatives, our neighbors, to come to a point where we too want to follow Jesus. You see, the church can lose its mission as well as anything. The church can become a glorified social club. It can become a place where I say, the purpose of the church is to meet my needs or even just to serve my family and help raise my children. Or most churches end up just being an organization that 
our goal is to not upset anybody so we can just perpetuate ourselves and just keep this thing going. Because we've been called to something so much higher. And I want to remind you this on the last Sunday of this year. That's why last January and February, we spent so much time on this 2020 vision that we would have clarity. And two things I want to remind you of that we said at the end of that series that would destroy our clarity would be progressivism and traditionalism. I hope you listen to both those messages. Very important. Progressivism is when we don't trust in God's word to give us truth. And the door opens for anybody's truth to be whatever they feel. And I know you're frightened by that. I know you're frightened, but we see it happening in so many churches where things that we know are true, where the gospel is being compromised, where the sexual ethics and standards that were set from the creation story are no longer in place. And... I assure you with everything within me and the leadership of this church that we will not go to that or not even tempted to be a part of that kind of progressive, liberal, truly liberal theology because it actually leads you to nothing to share. Nothing to share. And that destroys the mission. Churches that go down that road, they don't stay on mission because if your thoughts are good as my thoughts, what can I share with you? On the other hand, though, we also are not willing to fall for traditionalism, that the way we've always done things is the way it's always got to be done. And so we made a commitment to you there. We make a commitment to you still at the end of this year is that we will not allow tradition to come in the way of the mission. That's been true of this church for decades now. That we're more in, we're more concerned with people and their eternal destiny then we are just keeping all the saints happy. And we'll continue to make decisions. Some of the things we were talked about at the beginning of last year have been slowed down, but we want to continue to make progress in being flexible in reaching people for Christ, of never compromising the gospel, but always being what Paul would say, all things to all men, so that by all possible means we might save some. That's who we are. And we made a lot of effort to say that's where we stood. And I say it again today. So what's the last letter and point? It's to teach us to have the same zeal. Guys, when we keep our mission on straight, when we have a reason to live that's bigger than us, we can say with Jesus, zeal for your house consumes me. You say, man, this year, I feel it right now. I mean, I don't have a... I feel like a terrible case of COVID. I have energy some, and then I don't have energy and fighting to come over that. And we've had so much to fight through, but we do know now what's temporary and we know what's eternal and we know what should fire us up and we know what should make us happy. And even like Jesus, we also, also should know what should make us angry. So I want to ask you this morning, as we end this year and we look forward to a great new year, 2021 and 2021 vision, the same vision we had in 2020. Are you fired up about that? Do you have your passion on? That's what counts. My favorite line of this past year, I think Nathan Cap said it at the beginning of the COVID. A lot of things have been canceled. People say we live in a canceled culture. You experienced it and I've experienced. But here's the truth. The mission has not been canceled. <laughs> 
And we've been blessed in the church to live through that mission in difficult times. And we will continue to live through that mission as we enter the next year. God bless you. God bless our church. God bless his mission on this earth. It's never been more obvious that the good news of Jesus Christ is needed. Thank you for listening.